kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Monday night, a little bit after six o'clock, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. With me tonight is the bubbly, vivacious, and bright Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you tonight, Miss Jeannie? Very tired, Miss Jan. Yeah, so we had a we had a big couple of days with the greenhouse, huh? It's it's all here. It's <laughs> It's all on my property. It's not assembled, but it's all here. Well, yeah, uh, baby steps. <laughs> it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long term project, I think. And the very best producer, money can't buy, which again is good because I don't pay him. Very. How are you this evening? I'm good. Just wondering if Michael burnt his fingers with his wire. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at chat. <sighs> it's uh it's been another uh interesting week. Um so <laughs> yeah. I uh I guess I'd I'd kind of planned to talk about, you know, mostly privacy and a little bit about the banks. There's a shocker, right? Um but something caught my eye and I found it in a bunch of places so I guess what um, the administration in power right now would like to do is tie gun checks to Social Security, which uh, I'm I'm against for so many reasons. Um, because these people don't know you; they don't know me. Well, um, and. Go ahead. They're, they're preaching this story to a bunch of people with the attention span of a gnat. <laughs> and, and Jan, they're only going to hear that line I quoted back to you. That's all they're going to hear, and they're going to go, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. But it's not really about that. And it's not really about, you know, shall not be infringed or whatever. Um, there, there are very few ways to stop crazy people from getting weapons you know we've seen what happens when they take away guns um 
in other countries, baseball bat crimes rise, stabbings rise. I mean, does anybody remember what happened in Japan a few years ago? Guy went on the subway and just started, you know, mass stabbing attacks. And granted, most people don't die from those, but it, it it's pretty... It's pretty bad. People are going to be people and they're going to do horrible shit, you know, no matter what. But I have a real problem with some, you know, disembodied person who doesn't know me from Adam having control over whether or not I can collect Social Security and have a firearm in my home to protect myself. That's a real problem. And that's something, if you're going to do that, that's something that needs to be handled, I think, at the county level. Because those people actually can go out and speak to you and know you and are in a better position to make an assessment about your mental health. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And I don't think that's being unreasonable either. I, You know, I don't think people who are mentally incompetent should have access to something they can hurt someone with. But that said, people are going to do crazy shit and steal stuff and whatever to do what they want to do. That's how people are. But I don't think the government, the federal government anyway, should have control over such a program. I mean, look what they did when they gave that part of the Veterans Administration. Remember how many people fought that? Like hundreds of them. No, six or seven hundred people were fighting that because the the VA just said, oh, you're incompetent because of your age. Well, they don't really know. You know, it's just it's crazy. But it's that whole knee jerk reaction to politics. We need to do something. Something happened. We need to do something. <sighs> what can I say? And then there was a general on um MSNBC this week who said that people who could be radicalized or might be radicalized in any way, shape, or form need to be kept separate from the rest of the people in the country. I thought that was really interesting because who makes that call? Yay, bringing back internment camps. Exactly. Yeah, it's been too long, I guess. When was the last one? 1930? (laughs) So we needed those again. Uh, so I find that really uncomfortable. Anyway, um, so I have a problem with that. I think if you're going to do something like that, then it doesn't, it's not something that should involve the federal government in any way, shape, or form. That's why I love the 10th Amendment. Because, <laughs> you know, laws that are unconstitutional and wrong, states can nullify. That seems like a good choice with that one. Okay, um, yeah, should I even start with the bank one? Yeah, because I I can rant about this. Okay, Obama administration finds new ways to let criminal banks avoid consequences. The three top Democrats are accusing the Department of Housing and Urban Development of quietly removing a key clause in its requirements for taxpayer-guaranteed mortgage insurance in order to spare two banks recently convicted of federal crimes from being frozen out of the lucrative market. HUD's action is the latest in the series of steps by federal agencies to eliminate real-world consequences for serial financial felons, even as the Obama administration has touted its efforts to hold banks accountable. In this sense, the guilty plea has become as meaningless to banks 
as there are other ways of resolving criminal charges out of court settlements or deferred prosecution agreements. The Too Big to Fail has morphed into Too Big to Jail and then again into Bank Lives Matter. Senator Sherrod Brown, Elizabeth Warren, and Representative Maxine Waters fired off a letter to HUD on Tuesday saying they believe that the timing of the change was designed to clear the way for two banks recently convicted of federal crimes, J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup, to continue to make Federal Housing Administration insured loans. Last year, J.P. Morgan Chase wrote $167 billion in FHA loans and Citi wrote $342 million, according to data from the Congressional Research Service. On May 20th of this year, J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup both entered a guilty plea on one felony count of conspiring to rig foreign currency exchange rates, the largest market on the globe. Five days later, on May 15th, HUD slipped a notice into the Federal Register seeking to alter its standard loan level certification form known as the HUD-9290-A. This form must be filled out for lenders to receive FHA insurance, which reimburses them if the homeowner falls into foreclosure. On the current HUD-92900-A form, lenders must certify that their firm and its principals have not, within a three-year period, been convicted of or had a civil judgment rendered against them for a variety of crimes, including commission of fraud, violation of federal or state antitrust statutes, or commission of embezzlement, theft, forgery, bribery, falsification of, or destruction of records, making false statements, or receiving stolen property. J.P. Morgan and City's guilty plea would fall under the antitrust statute, according to Brown, Warren, and Walter's reading of the certification. That would make them ineligible to obtain FHA insurance on their loans. On the updated form, this language had been excised. The notice in the Federal Register did not even mention the removal, making it impossible to discover without comparing the old form and the proposed form side by side. The Wall Street Journal ran a story about the certification changes in May, but failed to notice the new language would let law-breaking banks off scot-free. The day before HUD released its notice in the Federal Register, the New York Times reported that the Justice Department sought to lessen the consequences of the guilty pleas in the foreign exchange rigging case, ensuring federal regulators would not use the pleas against against the guilty bankers. Um, okay. J.P. Morgan Chase and Citi would pass the lender-level certification because the violation to which they pleaded guilty occurred in foreign exchange rigging, not mortgage lending. While many industry observers believe banks should not be punished in one area of their business for the sins of another area, the threat of such consequences could act as an effective deterrent for the parent company to follow the law across its business lines. But if these consequences are halfway waived, uh, habitually waived, the deterrent value becomes irrelevant. The industry is also warned of reduced access to credit if large FHA lenders like J.P. Morgan Chase and Citi were barred, a perennial objection any time profits are threatened. HUD may have a good reason for proposing these changes at this time, right, Brown, Warren, and Waters, but its Federal Register notice fails to even describe the changes to the certifications on illegal conduct, let alone a rationale for them. 
They alleged that HUD staffers offered to give additional reasons, but only after the comment period ended on July 14th. The notice has already been reviewed and approved by the Office of Management and Budget, the final step before authorization. The Democratic lawmakers believe removing the certification language results in a change in policy rather than simply a change to the form. They requested that HUD withdraw the notice and issue it again under Administrative Procedures Act, giving an explicit rationale for the change and how it would affect J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup's FHA status. The public would then have an additional 60-day comment period. Okay, Jeannie, go for it. Fucking, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Again, with the hiding the too big to fail. It's bullshit. They're breaking the law. Do what, was Iceland? Yes. That put all the, the bankers in fucking jail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're breaking the law. Put them in fucking jail. You know mm-hmm. what? The bank fails. Guess what? A lot of people just got really cheap mortgages. <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous. And then, and, the, and the, okay. So, you know, I live out in the country. I live in a very small rural town. And there are a lot of people here that, mm-hmm. that wouldn't technically qualify for a mortgage. Right. If it wasn't for HUD and FHA and, you know, fanny fuck everybody. (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing. Okay. In this area, they're writing, they're, they're, (laughs) they're co-signing and backing mortgages for people Mm -hmm. that couldn't traditionally get a mortgage uh-huh, and uh-huh. they're guaranteeing mortgages in excess of what my husband and I could have ever fucking paid. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. There's my problem, Jan. That mm-hmm. is my problem. When you have a family that are working their ass off to make ends meet and on and on, and they can't, they couldn't justify a house in this price range. Why is a single family income a single income family there we go get them words in the right order mm-hmm. who obviously can't really afford to buy a house in that price bracket either mm-hmm. getting this house at zero percent they shouldn't be uh, and, and, right. but, that's, but that's what's happening and right. it's companies like jp morgan and chase and city mm-hmm. that are that are writing these fucking loans and then they want to sit and scream and cry that Oh my God, uh, we're we're not getting paid. We're, we need to be bailed out. No, well, fuck that. This is just bullshit, Jan. Well, it is, and you know it happens against our wishes all the time because the government has become, in essence, partners with the large banks and the large corporations. Um, it's it's actually essentially what's known as fascism. Um. And our, ti- you- our entire fucking economy in this country, Jan, is let's pass laws and write legislation to protect our big corporate buddies and make the stupid people think it's good for them. I don't think people I don't think people have any clue what goes on in the government. I mean, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, and they won't notice again until the next uh subprime mortgage oh, and car lending this time. Because because they'll start drama about a fucking flag. <laughs> well, 
you know, what is what was it Max Kaiser said about the flag? You have it up on your Facebook page. <laughs> the people with the, yes, I do have it up on my Facebook page. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, because, and it was a really, really, really good quote. It really was. It was. Oh. And the reason Whether I bring... The Confederate flag is displayed or not is meaningless to a population whose knowledge of history is that of a caged parakeet. Just true. That's, I mean, but it's not just that. Our knowledge of the government is the same. We have no clue what it is they do. We can dig. We can look behind it a little bit. We can try to figure it out. We really don't know what it is they do until problems arise. And the the only way we ever really find out is not the way we're supposed to find out. We're supposed to find out. The fourth estate was supposed to tell us. They have not. They have failed in their duties to us as a silent fifth, not silent, but a, an observatory fifth branch of government that was, or fourth branch that was supposed to tell us what was happening. So they're essentially useless, uh, you know, unless you want to hear about what Justin Bieber or something. Um, well, it's not all over here in the UK. The conservatives seem to be uh, renewing their attacks on the BBC. <sighs> Like, oh, we must, you know, basically, they're, they're, they're trying to subtly dismantle it. <laughs> <laughs> Except people aren't that stupid over here. Uh, they can see that, yeah, a government trying to destroy the, the national broadcaster. Very, the economy in this country is one of the main reasons that all this shit gets through. Yeah. The economy is so fucked right now. And they, they have syst- systemically started eliminating the middle class and you have got people that are working their asses off to keep their style of life and their quality of life that they've always had and they don't have time for this shit and that's part of the reason they have the attention span of a fucking gnat yeah they're too busy they're too busy trying to fucking survive oh yeah so i mean i don't i you know i but it's not just think that we're stupid i just think that people they got time for this shit, and they want those 15-second blurbs, and that's all they get out of an entire story is a 15-second blurb. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It, it, I know people don't have time for it. I mean, that's why we do this. Well, that's why we sit here and we read through stuff that makes me want to tear my own hair out. So people know, you know, okay, here's a little slice of, of what happened in the last week. This is the truth, and this is what they're doing to you. Yeah, this is the real shit that you missed, that you didn't get to see on mass media. But, I mean, that's why we do this. Um, but it's it's everywhere. Everybody's losing their style of life. Uh, Very could tell you some horror stories <laughs> over there. I mean, oh, yeah. my favorite thing in the last week was the 90-year-old woman who was a pensioner in the UK who received a letter from the job center that said she had to come in for an assessment. Yeah. She's 90. Oh, that shit goes on here all the time. Oh, it does. And, and what I'm saying is if, if this is someone who's handled by the department of workers and pensions, which is who it is over there correctly. Correct. Am I wrong? No, it is the DWP. Yeah. Okay. If that's the people who are, 
in charge, why aren't they the ones conducting an assessment? Yeah. Well, they, they usually use a contractor to do assessment. Uh, if it's your health they're assessing. Uh, mm. If it's your ability to work, yeah, it's just some guy that works in a job centre. Uh, you've probably <laughs> had a couple of couple of days training. <laughs> I feel bad for that 90-year-old lady. <laughs> I do. No, 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 the real horror ones are like the guy who got his benefits taken away because he didn't turn up for his medical assessment. And he was he in a coma? He didn't turn up for his medical assessment because he was in hospital in a coma. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah, but that happens. I mean, quadriplegics, they send <coughs> they send letters and tell them to show up to the job center. Well, we I'm have... sorry, I don't know about you, but um, I don't know too many jobs quadriplegic is capable of doing well yeah the <laughs> we have funnily enough we we also have a bunch of ex-servicemen with missing limbs who mm -hmm. don't get any decent treatment from the the job center staff it's like oh you've I've... got no legs oh well you could still do a job it's like <laughs> post-traumatic stress disorder yeah yeah you'll be fine yeah. <laughs> here's the thing that kills me at a certain point, and I, I think we know this, I've talked about it before, and I think we all know it's true. When the money starts flowing up, it doesn't ever flow down again. No. Okay. These people who have all this money are, are calling a lot of really poor and sick people parasites. Uh -huh. That's not necessarily the truth. There will always be people who abuse the system, whatever system you have in place. But that isn't true of everybody. And if there is no family safety net, okay, and, and I've always said this, I don't like paying taxes. I think it's theft. But if I'm going to pay them, let me pay them to take care of the people who actually can't take care of themselves. I don't want to pay for useless departments in the government that curtail my freedoms. I don't want to pay for drone bombing people I've never seen or met before. I don't want to pay for... for a lot of these things. Well, I do want to take care of people who need it. And I don't think the government should do what they're doing. I don't think rich people should do what they're doing. Well, there's one, I, you, I think, there's one in the UK you probably haven't heard about. <laughs> there's a conservative MP who suggested that people should start, you know, paying for un their own unemployment schemes. So when they get made unemployed, you know, they'll have money to fall back on. You know, they'll get a weekly amount because of this insurance they could buy. Mm. And, of course, in the UK, you pay something called national insurance. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. I know. But this Conservative was like, oh, well, people should, when they're working, they should pay for this private scheme. It's well, like, I mean... No, no, this is why we pay you taxes, you asshole. Well, I mean, and here's the other thing. This is the same government that said not too long ago... That special needs children should be euthanized because they're a drain on the system. Uh -huh. Does that sound like Nazi Germany to you? Nah. It's worse. Sounds like it to me. <laughs> no, it's worse um, than Nazi Germany. At least the Nazis didn't smile at you and tell you everything was alright. It's not alright. And the worst part is we know from what happened after World War One, with the war reparations that Germany was forced to make, that someone yeah. like Hitler was allowed to rise to power. Okay. We know what happens when economies go to shit. Yeah. And the problem is they're doing that everywhere. 
It's mm-hmm. not just in America. It's not just in the UK. It's all over the planet. The economies are going to shit. Governments are cracking down on people. And, you know, it, it can't go on like this. Well, At some keep, point, you have to default to and start fresh. I keep mentioning it to you because it is kind of a running joke between us. But, yeah, but the only place in the world that that is bypassing all this shit is Bhutan, which has <laughs> different problems to everybody else. But it's basically fine because it doesn't have an economy as such. <laughs> it doesn't. It's a uh, shitty they... little country nobody gives a shit about. So, yeah, it's... it's it's one of the happiest places on the planet. Well, it's one of the... Well, that's that's their gross domestic product is happiness. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. No, it's in their um, constitution, yeah. You know, the primary concern for the government is the happiness of the people. It's like, yeah. <laughs> no it other country's good. bothered with that. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has its issues, but yeah. Issues? Please. Do you remember the monk that got put in jail for possession of chewing tobacco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, though, the uh, king or whatever uh, told them to let him out. Yeah, well, I know, but I'm just saying. I mean, they do some stupid shit. There's yeah. no system you're going to have that's going to be without issues. That is, that is one of the hilarious things about Bhutan. You know, they've got their government, and their government keep trying to bring in these crazy laws, and the king keeps saying no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody listens to the king, not the government. Well, <laughs> they are kind so- of structured that way though yeah um well, they're still kind of feudal so yeah, yeah. but that's well, that's that's their economy that's why it still works they're still a feudal <laughs> system well you know i i can't say our economies are working all that great anymore but um yeah this is this is how a person becomes an anarchist anyway um oh yes if if you feel like you would like some vape news, just let me know, Jan. <laughs> um, you know what? Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, first put both hands on top of your head. I like my skull where it is. Okay. That's why I want you to hold your top of your head attached okay. where it is. Okay. You, yeah. you of course, um, being into advocacy the way you are, um, have, are well aware of the train wreck that happened in New Jersey over the weekend. <laughs> um, well, yes. um, so if you're wondering where all that money was going to, or, you know, if there were any plans for the use of all of that money that was collected, um, Andy Bailoff is behind this wonderful new idea from Idea Logic. It's nicotine water. Right, because we haven't had the nicotine gels, um, the nicotine lollipops, or any of the other stuff that the FDA like jumped up and down on and basically bashed right into the ground. So yep. we're going to go with nicotine H2O. water again? Yep, H2O123. Oh, dear. <sighs> huh. Hmm. Sorry, <laughs> that's that's okay. Yeah, no, nicotine water has actually they did try it before, and God, they used to have it on Rainier flights. Actually, yep, that's what this is for. Yep, they're going to be they're going to market this in airports for those people getting on planes that were going to have a nicotine fit. 
Do, do they are they completely ignorant of history? The FDA pulled it off the market last time. Um, apparently, Jan, because they you know weren't aware of the fact that vaping indoors was illegal in the fucking state of New Jersey. Obviously, they probably didn't know this either. Okay, well, then this this should be an interesting train wreck to watch. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of vaping stuff, which I don't normally do, I got a Mrs. Soki atomizer. I love this thing. Love it. Love it. Just throwing it out there. I figured Thomas would find that interesting. Fine German engineering. Um, great atomizer. And I mean, I know they have knockoffs of it now. I don't know how good the knockoffs are, but I do know this thing is freaking awesome. <laughs> the show needs pole dancers, or would that be too vape related? Um, <laughs> we what we can do before Alex comes on, we'll bring on the Kassad dancers. Yeah, the, the closest <laughs> you can get me to pole dancing is when I lose my balance and bang my head off one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a good idea for the show. Maybe another show. Uh, <laughs> it was a good idea for anything vaping related, actually. But you know, hey. It's not. Um, it cusses a lot. <laughs> well, um, let's see. Oh, Costello says that he is a Casa chair dancer. Oh, you're a Casa chair dancer. Well, put on your webcam and show us your moves. Oh, wait, that's right. We don't have a video feed on this. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> damn. Yeah, Damn. Yeah, there's so Can, much wrong with this show. That's don't, just one. You know, I, you know I could. <laughs> I know. No, don't do that. No, no, no. Well, because, you know, here's the thing. Jeannie's probably got a webcam. I don't. Um, um, I do, but I don't even know where it's at, Jan. That's, I that's have okay. to go find it. I that's really okay. have to go find it. My, my, um, my useless piece of shit laptop's got one in it, but I don't know how to turn it on. Um, and this computer had one plugged into it, but it's not there, so I don't even know where it's at. <laughs> okay, um, I think we've talked about the cones. Internet of Things before. We've talked about, you know, Barbie. <laughs> you, you remember Barbie and, and the TV that yeah. Jeannie's son is now no longer allowed to even think about having in her home? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Okay. This this story was written by someone from, I believe, someone who's a junior... <laughs> His girlfriend's parents have one of them. Good God. She thought I was crazy. <laughs> You're not crazy. And then they Googled it. <laughs> and then they're like, shit, and put tape over the camera? But, but it's not that. It's it's yeah. that the voice search yes. is always on. It's like yeah, if you, you use Google Voice up. Search right. on your phone or on your tablet you, you or can, on your you computer. Can, you can pay like $5 uh, and get a voice changer and just mess up the TV. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. Um, so this was written by a man named uh, Chuck Martin, and it's called "Privacy in a World Always On." Of always on, one aspect of the Internet of Things world is the issue of voice controls that are always on. Federal regulators are now being asked to dig into the privacy implications of such consumer devices. A letter detailing some of the always-on devices was sent to the Justice Department and Federal Trade Commission by the Electronic Privacy Information Center. Yes, the acronym name of the group is EPIC. 
Not sure what, if anything, the government will do in reaction to the letter, but the issue is one that ultimately will have to be resolved in the marketplace. Here are some of the always-on issues detailed in the Epic letter. Google Chrome's browser contains code that routinely captures private communications. The browser constantly listens to the user using the computer's built-in microphone, and when the user speaks the words, OK Google, Chrome activates a voice-to-text search function. That means that Chrome users are subject to constant voice recording in their private homes without permission or even their knowledge. Mattel's Hello Barbie is a Wi-Fi-connected doll with a built-in microphone. Hello Barbie records and transmits children's conversations to Mattel, where they're analyzed to determine all the child's likes and dislikes. Samsung's internet-connected smart TV has an always-on built-in microphone that routinely intercepts and records the private communications of consumers in their homes. When the voice recognition feature is enabled, everything a user says in front of the TV is recorded and transmitted over the net to a third party. Samsung does not encrypt all of the communications it sends to the third-party voice-to-text processor. Microsoft's always-on voice and motion recorder Kinect is now installed in its Xbox video game consoles. The Kinect sensor tracks and records users' voice and hand gestures when users say the words Xbox, followed by various permissible command options. The Xbox console monitors conversations taking place around it, even when the Xbox is turned off. The Xbox console can also register users' faces using the Xbox camera, as well as record users' facial expressions and biometric data, such as heartbeat rate. And here's the one that's pretty horrible. Amazon has deployed its Alexia always-on voice recognition software in its own internet-connected devices and has made the Alexa voice recognition software available to third-party developers to use. Alexa-enabled products listen for the word Alexa, which triggers the device to record and send the recording to Amazon's cloud-based servers for processing and storage. A range of companies plan to incorporate Alexa into their internet-connected devices. Google's Nest Labs makes the Nest Cam, which is equipped with a microphone and streams video and sound to a consumer's smartphone in real time. Nest also records and stores 30 days of footage that it collects from inside the homes of consumers. Always On is one of the mega issues of the Internet of Things. Once and if consumers realize the implications of Always On environment, Many are likely to look for ways to live in a voice sensor world that is either sometimes on or always off. At the very least, they are likely to become much more knowledgeable about opt-in and opt-out. Not quite, yes. The explosion of the always-on devices is kind of worrying. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are several companies, I think... I think Thomas will know about this. Uh, Germany is very strict on privacy. Right. And lots of these companies are currently being taken to court by the German governments. Yeah. Saying, you know, because the, you know, the, the right to forget stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So your TV shouldn't be recording stuff you say and storing it no. away from your house. Um, exactly. And lots of European countries are... Uh, Getting quite annoyed by this. <laughs> and well, yeah, I, I mean, Google Chrome, yeah, don't like it. Mm-hmm. Don't use it unless I absolutely have to. Right. Well, I mean, I use it for some stuff. I stick the show notes in there. I figure, what the hell? Give the government a thrill. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but you don't have to use the Chrome browser to view that. So, yeah. No, exactly. I mean, it's in there. They can see it. I mean, yeah. I could do it by email, but, you know, after 30 days, they can collect that too. So, <laughs> I mean, there's really, there's really nothing private except what you and I say to each other in person, face to face anymore. And I mean, that's not a new thing. That <laughs> there was a story in the Guardian this weekend, and I stuck it in here to read just because it was really interesting. Um, and it's underneath that the Telegraph and the invita- the invention of privacy, yeah. which is is pretty interesting. It's all about the first person who was kind of convicted of a crime using a telegraph. Um, and it's all about the concerns that people had even back then for their personal data. So it's, there is nothing new under the sun. It's just now it's much more efficient. It's much easier to get caught up in this sort of web of data retention. Yeah. And I find that very disconcerting. Jeannie thoughts. Don't have that shit in your house. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, Bernie has a uh, Connect mm-hmm. or Xbox, mm-hmm. and it's never hooked up. Right. And, and I have to tell you, the funny thing is, is now that I have launched into this tirade with my kid about, mm-hmm. about this damn TV, right. um, he is the one, you know, when his girlfriend's parents were talking to their TV, he's like, oh, man, you should tell my, talk to my mom about that because a lot happens in her house. Do you know that they record all your stuff and that they can just send it back to the company and the company can do whatever they want with it? Because they really can. You should talk to my mom. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. Uh, it was a nice conversation, Jim, because I ended up getting a laundry soap recipe from her. So, you know, it all <laughs> Well, oh, that's cool. You, At least they didn't yeah. accuse you of being totally crazy. If you, yeah, if no. you have a smartphone, don't use the voice features on it either. Yeah, yeah well, I Save mean, that you don't need... Well, I don't need geolocation. Um, well, there's do, a lot I've of things I don't have enabled. I need to use the sat-nav on my phone to find places, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, that's 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 different. I I just don't... We have a one of our GPSs, mm-hmm. um, one of the Garmin's. Um, we have enough Garmin's in this house that we should own stock in this fucking company. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, but the one is voice activated, um, mm-hmm. and you can talk to it. And what's really funny is the rear lift gates on my Acadia mm-hmm. is electric. Right. Um, it was one of the features that I really wanted when we got the car because I can just push the button and the gate opens and closes, right? Right. Mm-hmm. With hands, this is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you hit the button to open the rear lift gate, the GPS says, please speak command. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, but, but wait a minute, bitch, I wasn't talking to you. Nobody said anything, but yeah, for some reason, um, the rear lift gate, the electric motor, um, translates to, hey, GPS. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe, Maybe we need to get a recording get of your uh, lift gate. Yeah. The, yeah, the GPS obviously wants to get to know the tailgate better. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Evidently, it's got a, a love interest with my tailgate. I don't. <laughs> it likes her. It wants to ask her out. I yeah. guess. So, um, this is funny, and I have it in the show notes. But uh, so, uh, for some reason. The CDC thinks chicken farmers are idiots. Well, the CDC is a bunch of fucking idiots. Oh, they are. They Who owns patent on Ebola? Let's not. <laughs> well, they are idiots. Um, so you have no but, idea how many people thought I was a fucking crackpot when I posted that, and then they went and looked, and they're like, "Oh my god, they do." Yeah. Well, they do. I, they own a lot of patents on diseases, which you know, it sounds like a good idea to own it. Um, just from a simple standpoint of getting medication made, but it also hampers the ability of other countries to try and fight diseases, which, you know, it doesn't seem like that would be an ultimate goal, but it kind of is. I'm guessing. Okay. So the CDC told farmers that they shouldn't kiss their chickens. Sound advice, CDC, but... Why did you guys feel the need to issue this warning in the first place? It's because we're in the midst of a series of small salmonella outbreaks with just under 200 cases reported thus far. A handful of these were traced back to frozen chickens, but the vast majority were from live birds, leading the CDC, as is its habit, to put out a series of pamphlets on how to avoid this latest threat. At first, the advice is pretty standard. Wash your hands after you clean a coop. Be sure to buy healthy chickens, but then things get a little weird. Many people in these outbreaks reported bringing the live poultry into their homes, and others reported kissing or cuddling with the live poultry. These behaviors increase a person's risk of a salmonella infection. Wait, wait. Did, did you say bringing them into their house? Uh-huh. Yeah. Did these people not realize that chickens shit wherever and whenever the urge strikes them? I I think they don't care. I'm more concerned with kissing and cuddling a live chicken. Well, oh, yeah, but, yeah, okay, but, (laughs) well, and the reason I say that is, you know, I have a whole slew of grandchildren. Right. Okay. And, and Speck. My bard rock um, loves the kids. Not not like grown up kind of love, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if there are little tiny humans mm-hmm. outside, right. uh, Speck will run right up to them, and she will let my granddaughter Emily pick her right up and carry her around. And right. of course, you know, this is a, this is a seven year old, and whatever animals won't run away from them in fear, they want to hug. So. Mm-hmm. See, do you see my confusion here? Um, I mean, I'm seriously hoping that the CDC's not pointing. Oh God, never mind, because there are some really sick individuals in this. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'll yeah, there are. Um, yeah, these these behaviors increase a person's risk of a salmonella infection. Okay, of course, the whole thing becomes a little clearer when you read a little further on. Who's getting sick? And the latest outbreak is centered mostly in backyard and hobby farms. Look, people, I know you think that Henry VIII and Chick Cora Jr. are just your funny feathery pets, but they're not. 
They're tiny, disease-ridden dinosaurs who have spent the last several years watching you kidnap and then eat their babies. You're not friends. You're barely not enemies. So in the wise words of the CDC, don't kiss your chickens. Don't bring them into the house to hang out. Don't ever try to cuddle with them. And if you do, expect that a case of salmonella might just be on its way. I, I just want to know who kisses their chickens. Like, seriously. I just want to know who... You know, right, there's a... It made international news at the time, but there was a big thing about salmonella in the UK, what, 20 right. years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, you know, it came out that scientists and, and farmers had, you know, neglected to tell people that, yeah, nearly all chickens carry salmonella. Right. Well, <laughs> it's endemic chickens. in them. Now, let's talk about turtles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and look and at the If you handle a chicken or eggs, you should wash your hands. Piles being being sold in pet stores. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people don't realize that the salamanders that your kids run around outside, the little red newts. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't say that because we're one of the few areas of the country that have them. Um, right. They carry salmonella. Um, mm-hmm. Any, you know, all reptiles carry salmonella to some extent. I mean, yeah. but turtles. Turtles and salamanders are, the, the rates of salmonella in them are really high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I, and I have this little ho-hum to throw in here. Okay. Do you think, Jan, that this was a timed release? Do you think that this is one of those things, are the rates as high as they're saying they are? Or is this just more kindling they're throwing on the fire to squash hobbyists? And, and well, I that because you know now we got the whole big bird flu scare. Mm-hmm. And when I we did a story on this and we talked yep. about this that for the most part, um, like ninety eight percent or better, um, the bird flu is not in backyard chickens. Um, bird flu right. is being is being on poultry farms where you mm-hmm. have a hundred thousand chickens stuffed onto a half an acre. Right. Um, and the birds are stressed and, and not fed correctly and, mm-hmm. you know, in such close quarters. Right. So there's that little caveat, you know, mm-hmm. is this just more kindling to support their measures? Because we all know they want to eliminate people having backyard chickens. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think a lot of this stuff is released to support big agro business. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt about that. I just thought it was funny. Um, cuddling chickens. Um, the closest I get to cuddling my chickens is when I go out there and I open up the nesting boxes. If I don't have an egg per bird, mm-hmm. I point at them and say, Fryer, nuggets, drumettes. <laughs> You're next. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I can definitely see that. Because... Let's be honest. We see what government propaganda looks like. We vape. We know what it looks like. We know what a government-planted story looks like. Well, that's what I'm asking. I mean, you know, this has got a cute little catchy tagline. You know, don't mm-hmm. kiss your chickens, which will grab people's attention. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're thinking they have to read this because it might be like a crazy cat video on Facebook. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I mean... Like I said, it, it makes sense to me. Did you click on the links for the pamphlets that the CDC released? <laughs> They're pretty screwed up. Um, it's just funny to me that the CDC has this kind of money 
to just insert itself into whatever it thinks it needs to. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, and it's not just that. I don't forget, wasn't there City Genie, you and I talked about it, wasn't all that long ago that wanted to outlaw bees and outdoor vaping and smoking? Oh, yeah, and we pointed, and that was what was so funny, was it's some little podunk fucking town. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was some podunk little fucking town, like the one I live in. Mm-hmm. And what was so funny was you can keep backyard chickens in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> yep. Okay? I mean, we're talking about California. And mm-hmm. not just California, but Los Angeles. Yep. I mean, you can't get more fucking city-fied than that. <laughs> and they're allowing people to keep backyard chickens. But some town out in Podunk is mm-hmm. saying, oh, no, we can't have this. Yep. No chickens, no bees, no outdoor smoking or vaping. I still, I've got to say, I think that town has its priorities really fucked up. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to say, any any L.A. reared chickens, mm. Must be lovely, lovely lead and mercury content. <laughs> test, test your chicken for heavy metals. Yes. I'm not, well, everything there causes cancer, so probably eating a chicken you raise in Los Angeles would give you cancer. Well, it's not there. It's just the fact that chickens will be outdoors in the backyard being exposed to all the heavy metals in the air mm-hmm. <laughs> constantly. Hey, oh, I know. I'm they have barbecue grills there because it's releasing carcinogens. Okay. Well, everything releases carcinogens, but only in Los Angeles. But it's only in California that stuff causes cancer. Yeah. So, um, I I just think, hmm? Bound California. Well, I think we should probably not visit there. Well, I'm never planning to. Yeah, well, (laughs) if I I go there, I'm going to USFC, huh? Yeah, I told Stefan he needs to move because that state causes cancer. Yeah, I've told him a few times. (laughs) Those people are just crazy. So, um... It's okay, there'll be a big earthquake and it'll all fall in the sea and we'll all be fine. (laughs) Well, yeah. I had my kids kids convinced that's where milkshakes came from, right? Yeah. In California? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. uh, because the earthquake shake up the cows. (laughs) I did, yeah. My husband told me I was cruel and I said, no, but this shit is still funny. (laughs) So there's about like nine minutes before we bring Alex on. I think there might be time for this hacking team story. It's not really long. Hacking team and Boeing subsidiary envision drones deploying spyware. There are lots of ways government spies can attack your computer, but a U.S. drone company is scheming to offer them one more. Boeing subsidiary in Sutu would like to be able to deliver spyware via drone. The plan is described in internal emails from the Italian company Hacking Team, which makes off-the-shelf software that can be remotely infect a suspect's computer or smartphone, accessing files and recording calls, charts, emails, and more. A hacker attacked the Milan-based firm earlier this month and released hundreds of gigabytes of company information online. Among the emails is a recap of a meeting in June of this year, which gives a roadmap of projects that hacking teams engineers have underway. On the list, develop a way to infect computers via drone. One engineer is assigned the task of developing a mini infection device, which could be ruggedized. Rugged, yeah. 
ruggedized, ruggedized and transportable by drone. They, the write-up notes enthusiastically in Italian. The request appears to have originated with a quarry from Washington-based in situ, which makes a range of unmanned systems, including the small Scan Eagle surveillance drone, which has long been used by the militaries of the U.S. and other countries. And Sutu also markets its drones for law enforcement. An in-situ engineer wrote to Hacking Team this April, We see potential in integrating your Wi-Fi hacking capabilities into an airborne system. I would be interested in starting a conversation with one of your engineers to go over in more depth the payload capabilities, including the detailed size, weight, and power specs of your Galileo systems. Galileo is the name of the most recent version of Hacking Team spyware, known as Remote Control System. In an internal email, a Hacking Team account manager suggests they could do so using a TNI, or tactical network injector. A TNI is a portable, often laptop-sized physical device, which an operator would use to plug into a network the target is using, such as open Wi-Fi network in a hotel or a coffee shop. When the targeted person uses the internet for some ordinary activity, like watching a video or downloading an app, the device intercepts that traffic, so long as it's unencrypted, and injects the malicious code that secretly installs hacking team spyware. For more technical details on network injectors, um, somebody can stick a link in chat for you. Um, presumably, attaching a small network injector into a drone would give the ability to attack Wi-Fi networks from above or at a greater distance. The system operator wouldn't have to get physically near the target. In situ did not respond to the intercept's request for comment. Hacking team gained notoriety in recent years as human rights and digital security advocates found traces of its spyware on the computers of journalists and political activists from Ethiopia, Morocco, and elsewhere. As The Intercept reported last week, the leaked files confirmed that hacking team sold to many countries with dubious human rights records and also to agencies in the U.S. where the use of such spyware is still the subject of legal controversy. So, yeah. That's not a new thing. Uh, You are aware that both the F-22 and Britain's version of the Eurofighter Typhoon Mm -hmm. can infect computer systems remotely. Sure, but I mean, this is just different because it's not exactly a huge technical challenge for them. Right, but I mean, this is just smaller in scale and in size and less conspicuous. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? It's just smaller. Digital warfare is built into the latest um, aircraft, anyway. Shall we say? Mm, uh, well, I, uh, I, I know. I well, I've said before the next generation American military drones are being developed by BA Systems, mm-hmm. who already have um, software injection systems for their computers. Well, it's them right. that worked on the Eurofighter Typhoon, and did bits of the work for the the F twenty two as well. So yeah, <laughs> right. Another story in here about money, right? Oh God, I maybe. Yeah, I do. I think yeah, because so. I have I, I have money to tell you that happened at the bank today when you get there. But uh, I mean, I, yeah, this stuff. You know, they need to stop fucking around with the internet and spyware and shit because I do ninety percent of my shopping over the internet. <laughs> I, I don't because I want to support the economy in my town. But goddamn, I went. I had to go to Walmart a couple of weeks ago, 
on a Friday and it was the most depressing shopping trip I've ever had because it was, it was right after, um, the benefits were released. So, I mean, the store was just full of these miserable people trying to get the best and the most for their money that they could. And it just, it was really, it was the saddest shopping experience I've had in a long time. And I was like, I really don't want to go back there. I want to support the small, like, mom and pop shops that, yeah, you know, they had- pay attention to people and, and they're decent to people. I, I just, I can't, it's just... And I know a guy who works for Walmart. If you remember a few weeks ago, remember they were saying, oh, we're giving all our people raises and this and that. Yeah, they lied. Well, no, no, no. No, I know somebody who got a raise. He got 24 cents extra a month. Well, that was nice. That was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, that was nice. Um, We do do shopping here Mm -hmm. um, in town, but there's a lot of things here that we really like that they don't carry. Right. Uh, you know, my almond flour, my coconut flour, arrowroot powder, mm-hmm. things like that. And then right. there are other things that here are just ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of that stuff I order from Amazon. And right. it's my prime pantry. And by the way, Amazon Day, Prime Day, was not all that wonderful, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, re- it really wasn't. Um, they're, Mark, they were touting this as, you know, Amazon's version of Black Friday. If that's Amazon's version of Black Friday, Walmart is fucking safe. Oh, they, they, had, they had good deals on Logitech C920 webcams. Oh, I didn't need one of them. But I did I did buy um, a Kindle Fire HD. Mm. Um, I got it for um, my husband and I because I have a 10.1-inch tablet. And, right. like, this week, my husband is out of town working this week. Mm-hmm. And, um... The place that he stays down there has really good Wi-Fi, but mm-hmm. they shit for TV. Right. So I got a Kindle Fire HD for seventy nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and Paul Netflix is absolutely away. loving yeah. this thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you can stream a lot of. Yeah. You can stream a lot of stuff. Well, yeah, and we have a Netflix account. A we there. have Amazon Prime, yeah. and so you know, I mean, that was a really good deal for us. Of course, I would not have bought it at full price, so it's not really like I saved any money because I wouldn't <laughs> have fucking spent the money. Right. Uh, but, yeah, no. Um, so I do do a lot of ordering on Amazon. UPS, yeah, but I mean, UPS is at my house, Jen, at least twice a week. Oh, yeah, but I've, you, like, live on Mars. I've got, I've got a funny Amazon story for you. Yeah, the yeah. closest Walmart is a half an hour away. I've got a good Amazon story for you, right. Okay. So, at fest, I'm going to be camping, and I couldn't find mm-hmm. my my old camping pans. I must have given them away to somebody years ago. So, you know, the little nesting cook sets for camping uh-huh. fit in a backpack. So I ordered one on Amazon. It took three weeks to arrive. Oh, shit! <laughs> I don't have an Amazon Prime account, but yeah, 18 days, right? And it arrived, was the estimated delivery mm-hmm. from this company, and it arrived in 17 so I wrote a really, really negative review, funnily enough, mm-hmm. going, hey, I could have got this shit from China quicker. Um, and here's true. the thing, Vary, is you know somebody that's got an Amazon Prime account that is yeah. that is like a, a platinum card holder for Amazon yeah. Prime. But no, no, it gets better. So I started getting phone calls from a number I didn't recognize. I didn't think anything right. of it because I don't answer calls from phone numbers I don't recognize. Right. 
but did note, oh, it's an Irish number. Mm-hmm. Then I got an email, and it was from the company that had put the world review in about. And they're like, <laughs> oh my god, oh, oh, we're so sorry. It's terrible, it wasn't our fault. There was a mail strike, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so the upshot is they've sent me another two of the pan sets that I originally <laughs> ordered for free. The, so that you that only you, wanted so that, one of. Yeah, so they take so that they could take down the bad review I put up. <laughs> so yeah, I've got spare cook sets now. Well, yeah, one one I'm giving away to one of the other VTTV hosts. Right, yeah, see, there you go. You got to do you get to do something nice for someone. <laughs> but the best bit, you'll love this. The pan set in question cost me Six pounds and ninety six pence delivered. Right. What the fuck does that translate another two to? Of the, another two of them free. About twelve seventy five. U.S. Okay. Yes, yeah, so really not expensive, mm-hmm. but I ended up with another two sets for nothing. I'm like, uh, okay. because <laughs> so, that's who the phone call was from. So I answered the phone the next time it rang, and it, yeah, it was the guy running the company going. Oh, we're really sorry. Is it okay if we, you know, send you out this as a gift? And you know, I'm like, yeah, fine. Yeah. Can we take down that negative review? Oh, and it arrived. I got that phone call on Friday. The extra pan sets arrived this morning. Wow. <laughs> Damn. But when I originally ordered, it took seventeen days. <laughs> huh? Because yeah, no. what's that on Amazon these days? A lot of the companies have started saying eighteen days for delivery. Well, wow. it won't affect Jeannie because she's on Prime. But right. Yeah, and yeah. I'm telling you, I mean, and oftentimes, and see, and here's the thing, um, oftentimes I can get next day delivery for mm-hmm. like three ninety nine. Yeah. I couldn't right. drive to Walmart for three ninety nine. Yeah. I I don't know. Um. So yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with Prime. I have Prime. I mostly have Prime because um, they're bringing back Man in the High Castle. Yeah. And I saw the premiere last year and I want to see the series. The book was excellent. Yes. I talked about it a little last week. But yeah, so. the, 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 the free pan sets. I, I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah, well, I would have. It's, it's... And he, see, and here's the thing, Very. Paul ordered a. Um, a fly trap, uh-huh. not a plant, but you know, it's a plastic jug with a screw on lid, and you put this liquid bait in there, and the flies go in there, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because our chickens are very spoiled, okay? Yeah. Um, we make sure that our chicken coop smells like sawdust, it's cleaned so often. Um, but of course, it's summertime, and so Paul got this ordered this fly trap to, to put in there. And he ordered, <laughs> he was supposed to be ordering me a Japanese beetle trap, and unfortunately he messed up. And he only ordered, um, he only ordered the, the bags, the replacement bags for the bottom of this Japanese beetle trap. Uh-huh. And Japanese beetles at this moment in time are the scourge of my life. Yeah. They really are. I, I despise Japanese beetles. They're just creepy looking and they're, they're, the fact you can you can hit them with a shoe and they get back up and run off. Uh, yeah, they're, they're driving me nuts. Well, yeah. so anyway, so he did reorder the actual trap that the bags go to. But anyway, yeah. so he orders this this fly trap thing to hang in the chicken coop to catch the one or two flies that go into the chicken coop. Yeah. Okay. Because if there is a a house fly in my house, 
um, the dog and I will break <laughs> shit trying to kill it. Okay? We will, I mean, yeah, you got a 130-pound dog jumping across furniture to catch a fly. He hates flies. So it came and it was broken. <laughs> yeah. um, part of the, the screw-on lid was broken. Yeah. And so I go to re- request um, a replacement. And, you know, it says, oh, yeah, yada, yada, yada. You're going to have to send it back with him, whatever and whatever. Um, because part of the, the screw top was actually missing a piece of the plastic. And I told them when, you know, in the comments, you get to leave comments underneath there. Why do you want this this exchange or refund, right? Yeah. Oh, mod down and it just hit the floor, too. <laughs> uh, so, and I put on there, I said, you know, that um, unfortunately I cannot attach a pick, which really does drive me nuts because you should be able to attach pictures when you're requesting a replacement or a refund. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, because, you know, I want them to know that I'm not lying because so many people lie constantly just to get free shit. Right. It's a sad but true fact. You pieces of shit, stop lying. (laughs) Um, But um, so... And I told him, I said, the box is in perfect condition. The bubble wrap um, packing material is in perfect condition. Obviously, this was put into the box broken. Yeah. And as soon as I hit submit, Paul's cell phone went beep, beep. (laughs) And he had a notification of his refund. And um, please, um, there is no need to... There's no need to return the item to us. Um, we will issue you a complete refund within the next 48 hours. If you would like to order this item again, we would be glad of your business. Yeah. Or something like that. No, I mean, there's a lot of bad things about Amazon. But, yeah, the way they, the way they deal with their um, the Amazon shops, yeah. Like I say, the, these people just sent me free shit so that you so that then allow them to remove a bad review. <laughs> Well, I mean, a lot of people sell on Amazon because they can't afford the overhead to open a shop. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same as eBay, although people's returns, generally speaking, when they sell on Amazon are a little higher. So it's how things are going. Okay, and and eventually things are going to circle back around where they've gone automated. Then it's going to be all customer service and interaction with people is going to be a big thing again, because I think people really miss the human touch. But for right now, this is how society works. Oh, unfortunately, I was going to say I discovered something. Right, I recently bought a batch of t-shirts, mm-hmm. and everybody thinks all the cheap clothes get made in China and India. Right. Uh, it's obviously not the cheapest place for uh, cheap workers anymore. Because all the t-shirts, I, I, I bought a pack of six t-shirts. And mm-hmm. they're all labeled made in Nicaragua. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's where the company I work, their uniforms come from there. Yeah. So obviously oh. Nicaragua is slowly taking over the cheap clothes market. Yeah. I get yeah. more freaked out about my green peppers being grown in... Who fucking knows where? Right? Loads of fruit and veg comes from uh, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Which is weird considering how much desert they've got. Uh, 
Right. Well, yeah, very true. Um, so it's a little bit after seven. Yeah, we better find our work, so. Okay. Thanks. Right. I'm going to turn my microphone off now. Oh, for God's sake. Welcome, Alex. Hello. Hi. Hi, Alex. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, welcome to the CASA update for the week of 7-20-2015. So what's been happening lately, Alex? <clears throat> um, <laughs> well, we had a pretty nice break there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it was um, nice. I think is over. Uh, I've, I've been in Slack mode for the past month or so. Um, but, I can't uh, imagine why. It's, it's time to knock the dust off my keyboard. Um, so to get right to it, um, we've got a call to action coming out probably uh, tomorrow, depending on how far we get with the draft here. Um, for Alabama, um, the governor is pushing a uh, tax proposal in a special session. Um, the legislature will be getting back into session on August 3rd, I believe. Um, and uh, according to an article that came out today, uh, Alabama vapors are looking at a proposed 25 cent per milliliter tax. Um, and uh, as quoted in this article, um, which I should probably share the link with you so you can share that around okay. with people. Um, there's the link. Um, the uh, pack equivalent. It would be a $3.50 tax for the equivalent of a pack of cigarettes, which I'm not quite sure how they arrived at pack equivalency. Um, mm. But uh, the interesting thing is that the current tax on a pack of cigarettes is 40 cents in Alabama. Right. So uh, cheap living. Uh, but uh, this would be, I mean, a, a nickel tax on vapor products would be outrageous. This is mm -hmm. so much more. Right. So... Um, yeah, Alabama, you're on alert, uh, and uh, we would like to get some people communicating lawmakers before they go back into session. Um, I think one of the bits of advice that we got was uh, that uh, some communication now leading up to the legislature coming back into this special session uh, would be uh, will be crucial uh, because if they come back and you know there there isn't going to be debate much debate on this it pretty much goes from proposal to um, how quickly can they enact this so um, now will be the time to act on that so uh, hopefully we'll get this cranked out tonight and we can put a link to this in the notes and of course the full loan call to action will be posted around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I know people say 25 cents per mil isn't a lot, but when, like what you say, the equivalent for a pack is 40 cents is the tax on a pack. That's, this is a punitive, for, well, not that 
any of the tobacco taxes aren't punitive taxation. Sin taxes, basically, a way to fix budget shortfalls, unfortunately. Um, and special sessions do seem to be all the rage, don't they? Yeah, especially when it comes to budgets. I imagine that working out budget detail, I mean, when it comes to money, everything gets very complicated, uh, especially at the state level. You know, you have multiple concerns with their fingers in the pie and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, you have to be very careful about, you know, think issues, appropriations become politicized and, um, and it really complicates things. So uh, I, I'm assuming that some some of these lawmakers feel that, that tobacco policy is somewhat of a slam dunk. Um, and, and of course, they're being fed information that leads them to believe that all things nicotine are is basically smoking, and so just go for it. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's absolutely imperative that we make some noise and help them understand that's not the case. Right. So that's Alabama. That's what I'm okay. doing tonight. Um, the other thing. <clears throat> that unfortunately I'm not as uh, up to speed on as some other folks is California. Um, uh, everybody, I think, took a, a much deserved bit of celebration uh, when SB 140 was pretty much, it was amended in committee. I think neutered might be a strong description, but uh, it was amended to the point that the bill sponsor <clears throat> felt that he needed to walk away from the bill. Um, and as far as I understand it, essentially it was amended to the point where e-cigarettes were no longer going to be included in the de definition of tobacco, which uh, essentially took away the, the impetus for the bill. Um, mm -hmm. And for those that haven't been following California too closely, the big concern with California is that if vapor products are defined as tobacco, I, I think anywhere in the state code, the concern is that it will open up the product category to all of the other tobacco regulations, specifically taxation. Um, and in California this year, uh, this is very, very dangerous because there are threats of to are they referendums are they ballot referendums i don't know what they call them out there um um, um do, well uh, they reintroduced a package of tobacco regulation bills on thursday and right but the, there's there's another issue here uh, mm -hmm. it's it's a ballot initiative it, it's something not it, it doesn't follow the regular legislative pro pro process. It's, it's, right. uh, there are, they, they haven't gone out and done this yet, but there are anti-smoking groups that are planning to uh, get the ball rolling on these ballot initiatives or whatever, um, it, that would raise the tax on tobacco products to $2. Yeah. $2 a pack. I, I don't know if this applies to smokeless tobacco well, but mm -hmm. if if 
SB 140 were to pass, that would make electronic cigarettes subject to this $2 a pack tax. Well, it's not just, but it's not just that. I mean, they want to raise it to tobacco 21 too, don't they? I think that might be, well, I don't know if that's included in in these ballot initiatives. Um, That might've been a separate piece of legislation. The, The major proposals seek to treat electronic cigarettes as tobacco products and to raise the legal smoking age to 21. So, yeah. Is that from the these these ballot initiatives that I am sure I'm calling by the wrong name? Yeah, well they're called um t- the only thing I can find about them is is the story about tobacco bills and what they want to do is put it into the special session all six of the ones that failed from last time. Right? Which right. was tobacco 21, the $2 per pack. Um e-cigarettes as tobacco and a couple of other ones that were really, really bad for um, vaping. Um, They want to reintroduce all six of those and put it in as like one package for the legislators to vote on. I've I've got a, (laughs) I'm just telling you what I'm reading here. It's, It's what I've been reading for like the past few days. Okay, um, so this is this is yeah, this, that's the bills um, that uh, I, I'm, I'm getting to, and right. um, and and that's that's the bit that I'm not completely up on, which you're probably more up on than I am at this point. Um, and and I, I do want, but there there is the added there's an added layer of concern here with these ballot initiatives, um, okay. in that if any of these bills pass, any of these bills define electronic cigarettes as tobacco, then Mm -hmm. these ballot initiatives uh, that will happen later on in the year or could start soon um, will be asking the legislature to enact, one of them is asking the legislature to enact a $2 per pack tax. Right. On, on cigarettes, and that would apply to vapor products as well. Um, mm-hmm. This is something that we haven't released a call to action for because the, the the process for getting these initiatives going hasn't really started yet. But if these pack of bills that we're now talking about that have now been reintroduced in the special session, mm-hmm. if the, if any of this passes with that tobacco definition then there's this extra threat of these ballot initiatives. It's complicated, yeah. and I, I'm sorry that it took so long to arrive at that well, explanation. It, but but <laughs> it, it did because um, to get to that point, you actually have to sit through a, a bunch of the hearings that they had. Like, they had a July 9th session to talk about this, and you have to sit through that and watch all of it, and it's, it's pretty terrible. Um, nothing is easy in California, basically. Yeah. So um, I'll give I'll give you a link to what I watched. <laughs> okay. If you really yeah. want to be up on it, yeah. Yeah. So, fun stuff. <laughs> God, so fun, fun stuff. Um, yeah. So um, so that's California, and this is sort of an off the cuff plug for the folks over at notblowingsmoke.org. Mm-hmm. Um, are doing a good job of getting out information about the California bills and a couple of other things. Uh, and I believe at nine o'clock tonight, uh, they're going to be discussing this, uh, on the own page. 
Okay. Uh, so Google that, and I'm sure that all of the people regularly listening to this show know how to use the Google and can find that. So um, <laughs> yeah. if, if you want, I'll, I'll share the link with you if you want to drop that in chat. Sure. So um, there's that. Uh, okay. And, of course, uh, the California Safada chapters have been uh, pretty pretty uh, instrumental in, in rallying the troops in mm -hmm. California as well. So those are two <clears throat> two groups to pay attention to for California. They're obviously on the ground and have somehow managed magically. It's not magic. They're, they're just very hardworking people. Um, right. Managed to work their way to getting a good comprehensive view of, of all of this bad stuff. So um, mm -hmm. I, I'm struggling to, to be able to complement their efforts where we can. Um, right. But uh, so anyway, the credit is well, they're, they're passionately involved. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can't say more than that. It's awesome. So, um, California. California. Uh, the other thing is while there's still daylight left in, in Monday, um, we didn't actually put out a call to action for this. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the Surgeon General is asking for your quit stories in 140 characters or less, if you can manage that. I've seen a lot of vapors uh, participate in this. Uh, I would encourage anybody who also has quit by any other tobacco harm reduction means to participate. Smoke is tobacco, um, tobacco uh, heat not burn mm -hmm. stuff, whatever. Um, if that's how you quit, then then you should share that story. Um, and of course, the Surgeon General has phrased this as tobacco cessation, um, but we know better. That's not the real point. So, so what's the hashtag? Uh, oh man, how did I forget that? <laughs> really, you're, you're Mr. Hashtag. Hold on, I'm going to find it. Oh man, <laughs> that's so lame. Hold on. <laughs> Story for ch hashtag story for change. Okay, is the hashtag and uh, transformation Tuesday? I believe that's tomorrow. Uh, is when I guess the Surgeon General is going to look through everybody's stories. Which okay. at this point, and one of the reasons why we didn't put anything formal out about this is at this point, like ninety percent of of the tweets are coming from vapors. So, um, you know, with, with little notice and a couple of retweets, people have really jumped on this. And uh, so I would encourage everyone to share your story with the Surgeon General. Um, and uh, you, if, if Twitter's a little too confining for you, uh, the Surgeon General also has a Facebook page. And okay. uh, you can comment on the post about this. Again, I have faith that people know how to use the Google and can find the Surgeon General's Facebook page. Um, and, uh, and yeah, this contest runs through tonight, so uh, please take advantage of it tonight. Okay. <laughs> it's not a contest. Um, and that's that. Uh, I, I might be, the only other thing I, I think to talk about might be New Jersey. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Um, I live in New Jersey, and I, know you I, I did not attend the event. Um, 
I, I would like to say, I believe the organizers reached out to us to see if we wanted to attend. Uh, mm -hmm. and if they happen to listen to these I, and you hear this, uh, I apologize if I did not get back to you. I thought I did, but um, we have a policy of not attending expos in their first year. It's sort of an informal policy, uh, but uh, we like to see that people have their act together before um, we lend our name to anything. And actually, we don't really lend our name. We just sort of show up. But, you know, there's some just a bit of credibility that comes with that. So uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're very cautious with um, the events that we attend. Um, and I have some mixed feelings about how this whole thing turned out. And of course, I didn't attend. So I, I'm not really in a position to say a whole lot about it um, other than um, uh, it was on very sketchy ground to begin with. Um, it's, it's my understanding that the organizers felt they had found a loophole in the language of the New Jersey Indoor Clean Air Law, and that by promoting this and treating this as a private event, a members-only event, that they would be circumventing the Indoor Clean Air Law as it mm -hmm. pertains to vaping. Um, whether or not that's legitimate, I don't really know. Um, but I do know that they managed to kind of draw out a couple of uh, very um, active and well-known anti-smoker uh, people in New Jersey, uh, um, the executive director of New Jersey GASP and Senator Joe Vitale. Uh, Senator Joe Vitale is the, was the author of the... Uh, I forget the bill number, but it was the 70% wholesale tax on electronic cigarettes that was introduced last year. Um, okay. That bill is still alive and has a companion bill now. Um, and uh, so he's, he's, I believe, spent a lot of time listening to uh, the, the poison words coming <laughs> from NJ Gasp. Um, yeah. And uh, he's, he's, full on just sucked into that pack of lies. Um, so anyway, it, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, and my kind of personal view about it is that I, I think it's really unfortunate that New Jersey is not able to have one of these events. Um, no comment on, on the actual nuts and bolts of, how the event was presented or, you know, what being on the showroom floor might've been like. I've seen some pictures um, <laughs> that I think a lot of us are just not all that happy about, but mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, a vaping expo is a vaping expo and um, to not be able to have that in, in New Jersey, this is, you know, no matter what you think about New Jersey, New Jersey is a pretty important state. Um, and, uh, to not be able to have th these events here is, is, is kind of a shame. Mm -hmm. Um, the plus side of all of this is that I hope that the rest of the country takes note. Um, this is what happens when your state prohibits vaping. This is what happens when a state 
defines vapor products as tobacco products for the purposes of banning use in public spaces, indoors or out. Um, there's, there's a lot of confusion, I think, here. You know, for, for a new vapor that, come, that starts vaping in New Jersey and walks into pretty much any given shop, um, mm -hmm. you'll find that they're, they're, they play pretty fast and loose with the law here. Um, there's, it, it's, it's on the books that you can't vape in a vape shop, but it happens all over the place. Um, there are bars that let you vape in their establishment. Um, it, it, people, people get away with it. Um, so, you know, unless you actually are curious enough to investigate the code, you could go a full year without knowing about it. Um, so on one hand, it doesn't look like that big of a deal. On the other hand, uh, there are unconfirmed reports that people at this trade show that are all said and done tens of thousands of dollars of fines were issued at this trade show for people vaping. Um, so again, that's a little bit on the unconfirmed side to the point that I don't have an exact dollar amount, but I've heard, I've heard in excess of $10,000. Um, so if you think an indoor vaping ban isn't that big of a deal, I can tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not just about appearance. It absolutely affects your access to these products. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, if, if you weren't paying attention before, no matter what you might think of how this show appeared, the important takeaway is just how significantly this policy affects everybody. Well, I, I don't, I wasn't too thrilled when the United Kingdom papers started picking up on this and the German press. Um, this story's got legs and it's everywhere. This, this isn't just something that just happened to vapors in the United States. It's all over the place now. Yeah. Everyone's talking about it. So, you know, and it's not just us. It's appearing in print. So it's uh it's something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh New Jersey. Um <laughs> watch out or this could happen to you. Um when we issue a call to action, answer it. <laughs> yeah, and and just to hopefully a, a sliver of hope uh here in New Jersey there is a bill I believe there's a couple bills but uh there's definitely one bill making its way through the legislature that would uh, provide an exemption for vapor shops here in the state. Um, I don't know if that would be expanded to trade shows. Um, mm -hmm. I, I hope so. I hope someone is, is forward thinking enough to um, eventually add that in. Uh, as far as I know, I would have to go back and read the bill. It, the, the current draft, the current bill does not really get into trade shows. Um, right. Again, I'd have to read that again to confirm that. But mm -hmm. um, so, I, I, in the long run, I hope that this particular event didn't jeopardize the progress of that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's really hard to to on some of the accounts that I heard about. You know, statements made by the Edison uh, director of the Department of Health. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's it's really hard to imagine that they actually have very much credibility. 
Um, and they might as well have been accusing the organizers of promoting witchcraft. Um, it, it's seriously just absurd. Um, so I, 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 seriously, I sincerely hope that this is not damaging to that legislation, but um, mm -hmm. you know, certainly there's a word of caution there. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, hopefully this all works out for the, the good and, and uh, we, we have an exemption by the end of the year. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, uh, it's kind of interesting how this has turned into an international story. <laughs> yeah. I don't think people thought it would. I mean, I, I don't think I did either, but, uh, you know, there it was. And I was like, oh, Hey, look, that's interesting. Look, it's in a UK paper. Oh, look, I, there's pictures from, <laughs> there's pictures from, uh, the trade show in a German paper. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, Yeah. It uh, it's definitely out there, and uh, people are seeing it. So it, it's kind of, I guess, a, a cautionary tale. What happens when you do nothing? Not, I mean, not really, but what can happen if you do nothing? And well, you know, just to uh, give a little bit of history about this, you know, the the indoor clean air law was amended in 2010. Mm -hmm. um, this was prior to. You know, I mean, Kassai was active at that time, but certainly not in the capacity that we are now. Um, you know, there, I don't, I don't think Safada was up and running. Um, there were no, you know, large influential uh, vaping at THR advocacy groups active at the time. Uh, you know, at, at that time, as far as I know, Kassai was mainly focused on the FDA. Uh, mm -hmm. This was, you know, 2010 was just right after um, the Family Smoking Prevention Control Act had passed. And I believe that's right about the time that the FDA was starting to seize shipments from China. Mm -hmm. um, so people were preoccupied with, with more federal level issues. Right. Oh, um, yeah. So this, I mean, yeah. yeah this, this was not a case of people not taking action. It was a case of people didn't really know that this was a threat. Well, um, yeah. But uh, after this year's legislative session... Uh, yeah, all, all bets are off, man. Any anything is fair game. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, every every state should be concerned, even if you have an active state level group that's managed to have some 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 small victories in the past. Um, you know these the the the, uh, the vapor control folks are yeah the nicotine control folks are a uh, dedicated breed and. Um, as we're seeing in California and Alabama, they 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 will exploit loopholes in the legislative legislation legislative process mm -hmm. in order to get this regulation passed. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're we're not done, and I, I I hope I don't regret taking the past month to relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, it uh, it's been a very active year. Yeah. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully you you guys get your exemption. It really is necessary for newer vapors. Being able to try a product and see if it'll work for them is it's it's really key. It really is. Um, but I think uh, New Jersey was just ahead of the curve on a, a lot of tobacco control stuff because it it is the headquarters of. Um, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and uh, they're big in that. You know, yeah. They're big into tobacco. 
control. Vapor control. Nicotine yeah, they, control. They've got one of the one of the screens on a billboard up on uh, 495 right now. So every time I take the bus home, I, I see their little advertisement for, uh, I guess they're saving the world or something. And I, just, <laughs> I, I just cringe a little bit. So, thanks. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I've got to tell you, um, one of the creepiest things I, I've ever read is... Um, they're really big into not just nicotine control and tobacco control. They're very big into, um, what is it called when they want to get temperance? They are still the biggest supporters of the anti-drinking groups hmm. on the planet. It's, it's really weird. To them, it seems like it's something that's all tied together. So, just interesting stuff. Yeah. Robert Wood yeah. Johnson Foundation, big into control. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, yeah. Um, thank you for coming on with us tonight, Alex. Um, uh, if you have not yet joined CASA, uh, please go to CASA.org and join us so that we can help you fight this ridiculous legislation that's coming um and punitive taxation that's what we're here for that's what we want to do we exist to help you stop this um you can see us as kasan media on twitter and instagram uh and join us on the kasa official kasa facebook page or the we are kasa facebook group uh, we'd love to hear from you and share your stories at, um, oh God, Kasad.org. Oh God. <laughs> it's been so long <laughs> since I've talked about this. Actually, I, I updated, I updated the links on our, uh, our main page. So just go to Kasad.org and I changed the color on the font. So it's, it's bright green now. It's it just, it jumps out at you. Nice. Um, go to Kasad.org and you can, if you don't, get in the window of participation for the Surgeon General's little testimonial project, please contribute to the thousands of testimonials we have on our site. Um, at last count, I think we have just over 4,000. Um, and uh, it would be great to, you know, even if you, even if you can't fit your testimonial in 140 characters, you can just say, hey, Surgeon General, Go to Kassad.org's testimonials project and read the thousands that we've already collected. Um, yeah. and, and, of course, please add yours. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for joining us again, Alex. We'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Good night. Night. All right. That's funny. Somebody said, I can't wait to see what the Surgeon General does tomorrow. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it will be um, what we've come to expect from the government, which is ignoring our wishes. So yeah, Jeannie said, um, when I did the next... Hmm? Yeah, the Surgeon General will claim to have read all the comments and then won't have. That's the usual. Yeah, yeah. What the government normally some, does. There will be some kind of nonsense about how, um, you know, vaping is the scourge of the earth. Well, I don't think it's just that, you know, it attracts children. Somehow. Yeah. 
um, uh, Jeannie said when I did the second money story, she would chime in. Um, <laughs> you have to understand, I don't think of money like other people think of money. Um, I think it's an abstract concept in today's society. And I, I think you don't really have fungible capital like you used to. Things are very different and things are changing and things are fluid. Um, so what I used to think of money is very different than what I think of money now. That being said, I'm going to read this. Uh, minimum wage or living income. Most rich countries now have millions of working poor people whose jobs do not pay enough to keep them above the poverty line and whose wages therefore have to be subsidized by the state. These subsidies take the form of tax credits. The idea is a very old one. England implemented its Beanhamland system, a form of outdoor relief intended to offset rising bread prices during the Napoleonic Wars. In 1795, the authorities of Spinimland, a village in the Berkshire, authorized a means-tested sliding scale of wage supplements. The supplements that families received varied with the number of children and the price of bread. But the scheme was criticized for allowing employers to pay below substance wages because the taxpayer would make up the difference. In 1834, the Speedhamland system was replaced by the New Poor Law, which confined relief to workhouses under conditions significantly, sufficiently onerous to force people back onto the labor market. Then in the 20th century, the Speedhamland principle was revised by none other than the free market liberal Milton Friedman. In 1962, Friedman proposed a, quote, negative income tax, whereby people earning below a certain threshold would receive supplemental income from the government rather than paying taxes to it. The idea was to get people off the dole and back to work. It was implemented as the earned income tax credit in the United States and the working families tax credit in the United Kingdom. At the same time, there have been efforts to raise the level of earned income by setting minimum wage legislation, but the minimum wage has never reached the floor for setting a living income and has not, therefore, appreciably reduced the bill for wage subsidies. In 2008, about 5.5 million working families in the UK received tax credits, including working and child credits, housing benefits, and local tax benefits. Austerity policies have reduced this number to 4.3 million. Given that there were 11.4 million working households in the UK in 2012, this means that an astonishing 38% did not receive a living wage. Or to put it another way, the market clearing wage was unable to provide a living income for 38% of working families. These are the working poor. In his July 8th budget announcement, Chancellor of the Exchequer, George Osborne, proposed to cut £12 billion, $18.6 billion, from the welfare bill over the next four years as part of his deficit-cutting plan. Of this, £9 billion will come from cutting the tax subsidies for working families. To offset this cut, Osborne proposed to raise the minimum wage from £6, is that £6? 50 pence per hour to nine pounds per hour over the same period. The increase will fall on employers, not the public purse. So the reduction in credits and benefits is this net gain for her majesty's treasury. 
An analysis by the Institute for Fiscal Studies has concluded that while the Treasury will save $12 billion, the gross increase in pay from the higher minimum wage amounts to only $4 billion. As Paul Johnson, the head of IFS, put it, there is simply not enough money going into the new minimum wage to anywhere near compensate in cash terms people on tax credits. But even if the minimum wage were raised sufficiently to offset the withdrawal of tax credits, transferring more of the cost of labor from taxpayers to employees would still be, would be the wrong strategy. The reason for that is many, perhaps most, people work will be declining, be a declining source of income. After all, one prediction on which we can confidently rely is that automation will make it increasing, increasingly large inroads into the world of human work. Up to 50% of existing jobs may be at risk in the next 20 years. It is at least an open question whether enough new jobs can be found to replace them, or indeed whether it is desirable to continue producing more and more products simply to provide human employment at ever-shrinking wages. As robots increasingly replace human labor, humans will need incomes to replace wages from work. Whereas tax credits point in the direction of replacement incomes, raising the minimum wage points in the opposite direction by making income more dependent on jobs. In fact, focusing on the minimum wage would almost certainly speed up the automation process. Previous evidence that minimum wage legislation does not reduce the demand for labor might not stand up against the rapidly falling cost of automating the production of goods and services. In short, if Osborne is serious about his pledge to provide a living income for all, he should be moving towards the idea of a basic or citizen's income independent of the job market. A simple way forward would be to provide all citizens an unconditional tax credit, which could be built up gradually as the rewards from work fall. Both free market and socialist thinkers have long advocated implementing a basic income scheme, and that's true. But the idea has always fallen foul of two objections. Societies are too poor to afford it, and it would be a disincentive to work. The first objection is surely no longer true of advanced economies, while the second is irrelevant, given that the goal is not to strengthen the incentive to work, but enable people to live without work. An unconditional basic income would make part-time work a possibility for many who now have to work full-time at non-living wages, and workers would begin to gain the freedom to make the same choices regarding how much work and under what conditions that owners of substantial capital now have. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a good one, that, isn't it? Yes, the... Mm. the 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 budget was really not very friendly for us, us lowly people. Yeah. And yet, well, it was spotable straight away because they announced the increased wages as we're going to introduce a living wage. Right. But it was lower than the living wage that the Living Wage Foundation was saying. <laughs> so everybody yeah. knew it was a a, a con. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a dog and pony show. There are actually places, I think, that have actually talked about doing this. And there are one or two places that have implemented it. And the funny thing is, in the places that they've implemented it, the same things happen there that happen when we take homeless populations and house them. Crime rates go down. People live healthier lives. Kids get an education. They go to school. Um, so 
it's very hard to say that we shouldn't be concerned for each other or that the money just isn't there. Um, not everybody lives in an area where they can, where, look at Jeannie's family. They've been, because of her medical problems, there's a whole income lost from them. She's found a way to make that up by working really hard and growing a lot of their food, but not everybody lives in a place where they can do such a thing. You know, I think it's not that people don't want to work. I think they're finding that the work is not there. Yeah. Or the work that they would like to do is not something that they can get paid for. Go ahead, Jeannie. My, my niece posted a thing the other day talking about how the unemployment rate is down and minimum wage is up, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I said, you know, thanks to you, Jan. Mm-hmm. I had to point out a few things. Yes, the unemployment rate is down, but we've covered this on many, 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 many occasions. That it's not necessarily down. It's that people have either A, taken a job at half of what they used to make mm-hmm. because they needed a paycheck. Right. And then you have all of the people that have stopped looking for work. Mm-hmm. At the moment in time that you stop looking for work and getting unemployment, you are no longer an unemployed statistic. Yep. Um, so I had to point out all of those things. And I said, this isn't that I'm anti-Democrat. This isn't that I'm anti-Republican. This mm-hmm. is that I am anti-government. So I have to tell you what the reality of this is. Right. And and it's all this this big bunch of spin. And... Unfortunately, I think the reality in this greedy-ass country that we live in, mm-hmm. it's going to be that if minimum wage is increased to $15 an hour, which is more than an active-duty soldier makes, I need mm-hmm. to put that out because I think right. that is fucked. Yep. Um, but what is going to happen is McDonald's and Burger King are going to float a note and put in automated tellers. It's not just that. I mean, they've replaced the fry cook at the local McDonald's. Yeah, the guy who used to fry the burgers, he no longer exists. His yeah, job will cost the company to, too much. Yeah, increasing minimum wage to $15 an hour is not going to help the people that are struggling now. What it's going right. to do is put them out of a fucking job. Mm-hmm. And, Here's, and we know that that is the reality of the greedy-ass corporate America that we live in. That's what's going to happen. I mean, this is, this is, they call it crony capitalism. And, and I think Karen, Karen Carey calls it um, corporate incest, incestuous corporatism. Um, what's happened, that relationship between the government and the corporations. Um, and every time we have a free trade agreement, it just kind of gets worse. Now you're getting to the point where all of us, signing all of these free trade agreements in every country, you've got people that make a wage of, say, $12 an hour or $9 an hour. They're competing against people that make $0.36 an hour in other countries now for the same fucking work. All of the work is drying up for a lot of unskilled people. And they say, oh, we can send people back to school and you can learn programming. and, And that's great. That's great. That absolutely should be done. But the problem is, the problem really is corporatism. It's really hard. Like, I started out as a libertarian, so it's really hard for me 
to look at things in the traditional libertarian way that Americans do, where when they talk about freedom, they talk about this kind of freedom for you to live under a almost corporate type of rule. I have a really hard time with that. Um, so there are two kinds of libertarianism. There's, there's the Ayn Rand kind, and then there's the kind that is nothing like that. And I'm starting to find myself drifting towards the kind that's nothing like that. And the reason I can do that is because I'm a worker and I have nothing. I've talked about the cars I have and how old they are. And, you know, I don't really have anything. My clothes are from secondhand stores and I don't care about that. I, I grow as much of my food as I can. And I don't care about that. And I keep stuff forever and try to fix it. I don't care about having new things. Now, I do care about the fact that my parents have nothing. And that without the four of us living in this house, they would have nothing because of medical bills. These are the concerns of like average everyday people. They don't want to have to live like this and they don't want to be punished for being poor. But there is no more middle class. That's a problem. And I'm not sure how you fix it. But I do know that the problem exists. And something kind of has to give. I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. You, Donald Trump will get voted in, and he's going to fix everything. No, he's, he's not. He, he'll but just take I mean, all the it money would be amusing to watch it. his hair try to attack people. Yeah. I, but, uh, uh, Jan, I have to tell you, it's really funny because, um, well, it's not funny, but Paul is out of town working all week right? again. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we had gotten, we ordered the new metal for the garage roof and Fine. to reside the garage. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've got a two and a half car garage. It's going to be um, all tin and match my house. It's going to look really cool. But anyway, right. So my dad and his buddy came up to do the garage roof today because mm -hmm. I don't know why nobody wanted me up on the garage roof, helping the 16 year old and the 21 year old <laughs> put the roof on. Um, <laughs> And my husband said something about me falling over, walking in a straight line. <laughs> uh, not that Neurontin messes with your equilibrium a lot. But so everybody was frowning on this story. Right. They, they didn't like this idea at all. So uh -huh. my dad and his friend came up and did the garage roof today. Uh -huh. And his friend said to me, Jeannie, your garden is fantastic. What are you doing? How are, how are you I have poblano peppers out back, Jan, bigger than my hand. Wow. Um, I have got probably 60 pickling cucumbers mm -hmm. on the vine ready to be picked here really soon and, and pickled plus gads and gads and gads more. Okay. Right. He said, you've got heads of, I can see heads of cauliflower and heads of broccoli already. And I said, yeah. He's like. <laughs> What are you feeding them? And so I had to go through this whole thing with him. Mm -hmm. And do you know that I now have a 66-year-old man that wants to get into hydroponic garden? That's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, 
That is great. Yeah, you if, know, if I, I, if I wasn't a natural at killing plants, I'd probably <laughs> do a bit of it myself. I think, I mean, and I, I think we're we're actually getting because the economy is slowing down, right? And because a lot of people are making do with much less, we're actually getting back to a kind of simpler way of life. I don't think that's bad. I really don't. I mean, I think that's a really good thing. I mean, you're doing it in a high-tech kind of way, but it's still really natural. And it's, I think it's kind of better in some ways. Yeah, I've, I've, I've simplified my life as much as possible. Coy. I mean, I think things should probably be as, as natural as you can have them. And I, I kind of, I think things are just, the Chinese would say this is a curse, and it kind of is a curse. But now is a really interesting time to be alive. Um, I have to do this one because I had it in the show notes. A robot has passed a self-aware test, and that's that's kind of a misnomer, and Barry will probably explain that, too. <laughs> a robot in New York has passed the classic King's Wise Men puzzle, which serves as a test of the awareness of self. The induction puzzle goes as follows. The king called the three wisest men in the country to his court to decide who would become his new advisor. He placed a hat on each of their heads such that each wise man could see all of the other hats, but none of them could see their own. Each hat was either white or blue. The king gave his word to the wise men that at least one of them was wearing a blue hat. In other words, there could be one, two, or three blue hats, but not zero. The king also announced that the contest would be fair to all three men. The wise men were forbidden to speak to each other. The king declared that whichever man stood up first and announced the color of his own hat would become his new advisor. Roboticists at Raslin Air Polytechnic Institute adapted it for a trio of robots, two of which were told they had been giving a dumbing pill, which prevented them from talking before all three were asked which one was still able to speak. All three initially couldn't solve the problem and said, I don't know. But when only one of them made the noise, the robot in question heard its own voice and then followed up, sorry, I now know. The roboticists realized that the completion of this simple test hardly amounts to, as new scientists put it, scaling the foothills of consciousness. But team leader Selmer brings your Bringjord said that by passing many tests of this nature, robots will build up a repertoire of abilities that will make them become very useful to humans. They try to find some interesting philosophical problem, then engineer a robot that can solve that problem, said John Sullins, a philosopher of technology at Sonoma State University. They're barking up the right tree. Robots might still be a long way off achieving consciousness as humans understand it, but their simulation of it can be pretty powerful. Last year, a supercomputer became the first AI to pass the Turing test, successfully and worryingly for cybercrime, convincing humans it was a 13-year-old boy. And there's a link at the end of the story, which is the YouTube video of the robot test, which was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. So... 
it's not really consciousness. No. No. It's just sort of a form, a slight form of self-awareness, I think, is what yeah. that little robot is showing. Well, it, it, it shows an awareness that has actually spoken and realizes that this is the answer to the question it was asked. <laughs> right. Which isn't the same as consciousness. But mm -hmm. It's close. Yeah. It is close. Um, They're getting closer all the time, which oh, yeah. is... I find that kind of concerning. Uh, I don't, but... Yeah. yeah. Not as, weird. As long not as they remember to use Asimov's laws, you know, it's fine. Well, yeah. I don't know. I just still think this kind of thing... All I can say is I hope that we have the very best people trying to teach consciousness to what's going to go on long after we're gone. Yeah. That's all I can really hope for. Because, you know, let's be honest. They're, they're not thinking anything like we are. And if you've seen some of the Google Deep Dream stuff, you know they're not thinking like us at all. No. The way they visually process stuff is very different from how we do. So it's just really, really interesting stuff is happening in technology. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, I think this is the last one. It's really short. Um, does anybody remember the story about the judge in Florida who told people they couldn't take photos? Yes. Yeah. And people weren't allowed to protest outside the courtroom if they questioned the integrity of the court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after it started making national news, he rescinded part of his order. But he kept the part that banned photography around the courthouse. Just kind of interesting. Um, because that issue in particular had to do with a reporter for Photography is Not a Crime who's suing him now. On Wednesday, after a bunch of local media organizations met with the judge and presumably explained the Constitution to him, Judge Mann rescinded his administrative order entirely. Since the entry of that order, many representatives offering differing interests have expressed concerns and suggestions with respect to the best means by which to deal with these issues, Mayan said Wednesday. That's not quite the I'm sorry I overreacted and abused my position of power that might have been more appropriate, but I guess it's something. At least he listened. <laughs> <laughs> He kind of didn't have a choice. People were like, um, have you read the Constitution or the Bill of Rights? No? Okay. Now we need to sit down and have a talk. And this is kind of the problem. We've talked about it before. A lot of judges in this country are just appointed. Yes. They have no clue. Um, See, I, I much prefer the British version of a judge where they have to have worked as an active lawyer for many, many years before they're allowed to be a judge. Well, I, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Here, a lot of them are just appointed by sheriffs or, you know, anybody who has any clout. So it can be their son who's borderline illiterate who becomes a judge. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I said I was going to talk a little bit about Google and the right to be forgotten requests. I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's gigantic. 
But um, they accidentally released some data this week that showed that 95% of the Google privacy requests are actually from citizens. And they want to protect their personal and private information. It's not criminals, politicians, and public figures. So presumably the right to be forgotten law that's really sort of come into its own in the UK is a necessary thing, which you wouldn't really think, but it's starting to look that way. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That seemed like a hopeful way to end things, I oh, guess. And, and accidentally, yeah. There was no yeah. accident. They deliberately released the data. Of course they did. Because they wanted, I guess, they wanted to prove a point. Yes. And it does prove a point. Yeah, and when, I guess... when, when the government starts bullying Google, Google's going to react. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Like they, they basically have more control of the internet than the governments do, and they know it. Well, of course they do. That's not... I don't know if that's terrifying or not anymore, because there's such a blending between government and corporation that it's hard to separate one from the other. Well, Google's that's... a bit weird, because it's got... It does have involvement with the government, but not in the same way as most of the tech companies do. Well, I've got to say, um, and I, I think I've talked about one of the people that's over he, he has moved to Germany because he, he Jacob Applebaum mm-hmm. yeah um, he used to use Gmail and yeah. he said Google has actually spent millions of dollars defending him and not turning over his emails to the government mm-hmm. and they finally flat out released all this documentation last week after they successfully fought off the government um, because the government had a gag order on them about it. And Applebaum straight out said he didn't realize how badly the government wanted his data and he knows he can never come home to America now because of the way the government reacted to this. It's just ridiculous. I mean, the man teaches you how to encrypt your data so that no one else can read it. It's kind of an important thing in this day and age. And it's a shame. Like you said, Google it really isn't the same as everyone else because they aren't really on the same level as everyone else. Well Google Google's weird because it isn't it isn't really one company. A lot of corporate you know, most corporations are basically one overriding company that controls mm-hmm. everything that happens within it. But Google has all these different subsidiaries and they all kind of work independently it's, mm-hmm. it's very very uh, a weird corporate arrangement it's not like anything that's <laughs> been around before yeah um, well, so yeah they're at the same time that they'll protect individual rights they're also ripping all your data off for their own uses <laughs> yeah it, it really is a screwy arrangement but yeah. I don't know I don't know how you change that arrangement with governments um, except to make large governments less powerful. The less power they have, really, the better in a lot of ways. It's not not the power of governments that's the problem. It's the accountability of governments that's the problem. Well, they have no accountability if they can hide, which is kind of why it's when I say it's an interesting time to be alive, it is. They can't hide anymore. We can't hide, but they can't hide either. 
Well, I mean, that's going to scare the crap out of private conversations with you, I've told you about some of the weirdness that goes on with government in the UK. Because oh, yeah. we do have a certain amount of checks and balances that stop mm -hmm. the government being able to do certain things. Yeah. And it is quite strange. Well, I it's mean, like, it's a good thing, though. Although, anytime the government says they're talking about a new program, they're already doing it. Yeah. It's kind of the one thing we already know. Well, I say up until, up until Snowden's leaks, uh, nobody really paid much attention to GCHQ. Well, and they've been you know, the biggest data gatherers in the history of the world. Right. But, I mean, also, up until Snowden actually released files showing this, this was just the thing that crazy people who wore tinfoil hats talked about. Yeah. Your TV's listening to you. They're listening to me when I'm talking on the phone. You know, um, they're reading my emails. They're reading my texts. And everybody thought those people were crazy. Here's proof they're well, not crazy you, well it wasn't everybody well, well see the guardian you know. journalists were well aware of it <laughs> well right but i mean the common person on the street was not really aware that this was a real issue some people yeah. were most really weren't so i mean now at least we can have an open discussion about this i, I don't know whether it changes anything but at least we can have an honest talk about it with facts, not with conjecture. And that's yeah. a really important thing. As well, probably the most important thing. Unfortunately, even even with the leaks, uh, I think you'll find that's just the tip of the iceberg. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I you know there's tons more stuff that either hasn't been released or he didn't touch. Yeah. And there's probably reasons for that. So, so, you'll have to watch for your government starting to do what our government's been up to for years. I've showed you some of the openly oh, yeah. available information on some of the British government stuff. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Nobody knows it's there, but it's on Wikipedia and stuff. <laughs> it's like, here's this dirty shit the government's been up to for years. And, but People don't know it. where to start looking for that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's it's like the outbreak map thing. Yeah. You know? W would you begin... I wouldn't begin to know where to look for this stuff. Oh, look, here's a map. Holy crap. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Um, yeah, the if, corruption. If you, yeah, if, if you want to find something out, yeah, you, you can normally find it out on the internet. Mm -hmm. You just need to know how to use search engines. <laughs> I love search engines. I really like computers. I mean, and that's why I talk about them so much. I really, really like them. I like that our life is better for technology, even though at the same time it's worse. So I try to really keep an open mind about it. Well, yeah, I think the benefits do outweigh the negatives for the most part. Well, the negatives are that we no longer have privacy. That's a real negative. That's a really yeah. hard one to swallow for me. Uh, well, I've mostly kept most... Most of the things I consider to be private have always gone on inside my head anyway. So, yeah. yeah, that's the only place that's safe anymore. For the moment, anyway. <laughs> for, for, for now. <laughs> for the next 20 minutes or so. Um, and I guess that's it. Advert. Okay.
Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast, ammoseek.com. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.